by any of the 108 Atlanta-area O'Reilly Auto Parts stores where you'll find everyday low prices on the parts you need to keep your vehicle at its best. Our guaranteed low prices ensure you're always getting our best deal. In fact, we'll match any auto parts store's price on any like item. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This podcast contains explicit material that may not be suitable for all listeners. For those of you brave enough to stick around, enjoy the show. To promote my new flower shop, I had one place print my business cards, another print my brochures, and a third, my signs. Now my roses aren't red, my violets aren't blue, my geraniums look dead, and I don't know what to do. Staples can help your business stand out with signs, banners, and brochures that are a true reflection of your company. And now with Staples, spend $50 or more on print and marketing services and get $5 off your next in-store purchase. Now my business is blossoming, and I'm spending less green. Exclusions apply, in-store only, and 623.18. Welcome to the We Still Booze Podcast, brought to you by WideRightNattyLight.com, your one-stop Iowa State online blog shop. Now, here's your host, Tom Dang. Leg and I'm gone. Then I take a few steps and I keep left and the people take a deep breath and I'm up in your end zone. 816 boys, we reference connected with Iowa State. Play out a position and it's checkmate if you hesitate. You've been told offense and defense is dropping the load. Welcome, Cyclone Nation. This is Austin with you. I go by Clone Teach on the site. Uh, we got another special podcast for you uh, this evening as we are fast approaching the start of college basketball season. Iowa State opens up uh, an exhibition game on Sunday, and then they, they go for real next Friday night uh, against Savannah State. Tonight we've got a very special guest, uh, the one and only Ken Pomeroy. Uh, Ken runs his own basketball analytics site, KenPom.com. Uh, if you pay any close attention to college basketball, I'm sure you know who he is. Um, we published some notes from our phone conversation a couple weeks ago. And to be honest, Ken, people didn't believe that we were actually able to get you on. Did you know that uh, you're kind of a big deal in Cyclone Nation? Uh, yeah, you know, I can see from my Twitter feed that uh, there's always been uh, quite a range of opinions on my work, so I'm pretty pretty well aware of that. So how, what what percentage of uh, the Twitter interaction is uh, hate mail, if you will, for having uh, their team too low, and what percentage of it is actually uh, good feedback? Oh, uh, you know, on Twitter it's probably uh, – yeah. I don't think it's 50-50. I think it's probably mostly positive, but – I mean, I think it's just the nature of people and what they respond to is, you know, they're going to they're gonna say something when they disagree with you rather than when they agree with you. I mean, it's, it does make for a pretty boring dialogue when everybody agrees with you. So, uh, so there's, you know, there's, there's quite, a few, quite a few people out there uh, have their own thoughts and opinions, but usually it's people who aren't, you know, familiar with what I do or understand what I do and realize that actually I'm not like the typical AP pollster who – might really hate your team. I actually, you know, I'm just running out of rhythm, so I had no feeling one way or the other. 
So the AP poll did come out on Monday. I believe Iowa State slotted in there at 24th. You have Iowa State right now at 26th. Like you said, you don't personally rank the teams. You use your algorithm, uh, and you go from there. Ken, can you give us a little background first, though, uh, for our fans about how this how this came to be? Uh, how did you stumble upon uh, doing this fan, this site of analytics, and where did you begin? Uh, well, it began uh, in the early 2000s when uh, the analytics movement was really taking off in baseball, and uh, me being kind of um, receptive to that sort of uh, material, I uh, kind of wondered who was doing it for college basketball, which, you know, I was a baseball fan, but not, you know, kind of really cursory. Uh, much more of a college basketball fan, and there was really nobody doing what, you know, like Rob Nyer was doing for baseball. There was nobody doing that for college basketball. So I just thought I'd start doing that, and uh, that kind of led to, you know, just kind of thinking about what kind of stats would be useful and looking at what other people had done before me and, um, you know, putting together the website to kind of put that information out there. And things kind of gradually, you know, took off from there, obviously. I mean, when I first did it, nobody really attention to it, but gradually kind of word spread from, you know, one message board to another and occasionally a coach would talk about it and uh, you know, eventually it, it um, became, you know, more much more popular than it was at the beginning. You mentioned an interest in, in baseball. I know this is kind of off topic, but uh, how much of that World Series did you watch? Uh Bits and pieces. I uh, um, I was actually at a basketball game last night, so uh, um, yeah, I only saw really the last probably two innings of, uh, of the game last night. Um, so yeah, I've kind of lost touch with my my baseball roots. I mean, I still try to tune in during the playoffs, but uh, but uh, it's quite it's quite a World Series for sure. So the the basketball season starts uh, opens up for a lot of teams on Friday. You have your algorithms ready to go, kind of your role throughout the years to make sure box scores aren't out of whack and that the information going in is able to give accurate information coming out. So what other things do you do during the season to uh, maintain your your site, maybe your blog and and other things like that? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's really just kind of thinking about um, different things to add to the site, you know, some piece of information that, uh, I'm curious about that, um, you know, isn't really readily available elsewhere. So, you know, there'll be like two or three features I'll add to the site during the course of the season and, and uh, there's some of that. But mostly it's just like hard to describe. It's just like kind of being a fan and watching games and, you know, you get ideas just from, you know, thinking about something a lot. Um, so it's hard to say like what, you know, what I'll end up doing during the season. I mean, I, part of the reason why I force myself to, to write a lot is because it's, um, for one thing, it's difficult to write about, you know, data-driven material. Like it's difficult to do research and produce, um, you know, a lot of contact, uh, content in a short amount of time. But if you do force yourself to write about, you know, write about a subject two or three times a week, uh, invariably you'll think of something that, um, you know, is kind of interesting to a, a broader audience. And so, um, so I don't know that there's necessarily, like, you know, a, a specific task that I uh, uh, do during the season is, is, you know, obviously maintaining the site. There's always some sort of maintenance going on there. But for the most part, it's just, you know, being a fan, watching games, monitoring the numbers, and 
kind of looking for uh, interesting trends that people might be interested in. That sounds pretty awesome, being a fan, watching basketball, writing about it, crunching some numbers. You you let me know if you need uh, any help sometime, all right? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. You're not I'm, the first I'm person sure. to inquire me. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you get that. I'm sure you get that request a lot. All right. Uh, before kind of getting into the nitty gritty of it, uh, let's say that you're coaching a team. All right, you just got hired to coach college basketball team. If you're a coach, how would you use your site uh, to improve your team? Yeah. Well, first of all, if I was coach, we'd lose a lot of games. <laughs> I mean, that's one thing that uh, I have learned over. My time doing this and being around other coaches is that uh, coaches have a certain personalities and, you know, obviously an extensive background in the sport that uh, I can't really match. So uh, um, I would probably lose the locker room pretty quick if I took over as head coach. But I think, you know, the ways that I like to see coaches use the site, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's a good way to kind of make large-scale evaluations of, of your team and your, your players. And I think um, if you identify certain things that need improvement, uh, you know, you can use the data to set goals. You know, if you were uh, you know, 75th in offensive rebounding last year and you feel like you have the personnel to improve that or you've really focused on improving that um, in the practice of leading up to the season, uh, you know, you can set a goal. Hey, we want to get to, you know, 30th this year or whatever. And, uh, and obviously my site provides any reference towards, you know, whether you're um, making progress towards that goal or not. And that seems to be, um, you know, to me, the – the main way that I see coaches using the site, there's obviously some scouting um, opportunities in there, you know, looking at the opposing team and just understanding, understanding large scale uh, what they do well and what they don't do well as a team, uh, and ditto for um, players as well. I mean, you know, obviously any sort of, like, specific, uh, you know, uh, trends that you're looking for in terms of a player, tendencies, you know, something they do, they go to, you know, go to their right or go to their left or, are they really bad shooting off the dribble or things like that? Um, my site's not going to help you with that. But um, for kind of large-scale knowledge, you know, I think uh, it is pretty useful in understanding just, hey, what do these teams do well, what um, what do these players do well also. For this next part, we're going we're gonna to assume that the listeners here have at least a, some basic knowledge of your site and kind of where it was at last year and where maybe it's gone this year. Uh, looking at the, the very front page right now, there's a few things that are a little different, though, that I'm seeing from last year. Can you kind of explain uh, what you what you change to the average person when they're looking at that main page and what that means? Yeah, I mean, the main thing that I changed was just kind of what is the basis for the overall rating of the team. So, you know, like the offensive, uh, adjusted offense and adjusted defense, those numbers are um, – going to look very familiar or, or, you know, same as had on my site, um, you know, in years past. But um, now the overall rating, instead of determined by what was the Pythagorean winning percentage, which is a mouthful and complex and was difficult to interpret, um, now it's just called adjusted efficiency margin, and it's simply the difference between the adjusted offense and the adjusted defense. So um, it's kind of like scoring margin, but uh, on a per-possession basis and also adjusted for – um, strength of schedule. So a pretty simple concept, and, you know, the numbers are um, – they have meaning that I think is fairly easy to, deter, uh, to interpret. They just take a difference between two teams, and you're basically looking at 
you know, the difference in the um, points, you know, basically scoring it that uh, one team would have over over another over um, 100 possessions. So, um, and then you know, basically like this, just all the schedule strength um, measures now are um, based on that as well. So, uh, so those are kind of the the new things on the on the main page, and I think it'll make it like easier for people to understand. You know, I think people always understood. You know, you can look at a rating, you can see number one, number five, but now it's much easier to understand. Hey, what is the difference between the first and, and fifth team, or the fifth and sixth team, or, or something like that? Which I think is oftentimes something that um, you know in the past people didn't look at very closely. So when I'm looking here, uh, Iowa State has an adjusted efficiency of 16, a little almost 17. Uh, Duke's up there close to 30. Is that as simple as saying that on a neutral court, Duke would be about a 12 to 13 point favorite, or is it a little more complicated than that? Yeah, a little more complicated. Um, so basically, that's saying that Duke would score. They played um, on neutral floor. Duke would outscore Iowa State by 13 points over 100 possessions. Um, but the typical oh, sure. college game early in the season is uh, you know going to be like 70 possessions and might be a little faster if those two teams played, but. You know, late in the season, you know, the average game will be about 65 possessions. So, uh, so you have to scale it for basically the number of possessions you expect in a game. So, you know, instead of a, a 13-point difference in a game, it'd be like, you know, nine or, or ten, something like that. Next, uh, your adjusted offense and your adjusted defense. Uh, you said that essentially that's how many points that they would score versus how many points that they would give up if you're talking about defense per hundred possessions. Am I interpreting that correctly? Yep, that's what they would be expected to do against an average Division One team. And then uh the other the other one I've always been curious about and uh is luck. How how do you how do you calculate luck? I I guess from my background is it as simple as uh how the actual results compared to what your model has predicted? No, it actually has nothing to do with the, the model itself. Um, it just looks at uh, your individual offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency in games. So, you know, uh, by the end of the season, you have you know, 30 to 35 games. And it just looks at kind of the, the distribution of your offensive efficiency and your defensive efficiency. Uh, not adjusted for schedule strength or anything like that. Just your raw um, game output. Uh, and compares those two and uh, uh, derives – uh, kind of an expected winning percentage, and then it compares that to your actual winning percentage, and it takes the difference. So, if by and large, like your offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency have been pretty similar all season, you know, you'd expect a team to, to go 500. Um, and so, if a team, you know, wins like 60% of its games under that scenario, it would be viewed as as lucky by, you know, uh, its luck rating would be plus 0.1 because that's the difference between it. Actual winning percentage, which would be 0.6, and you'd expect 0.5 in that situation. So um, that's how luck works. Your four factors uh, that you consider the most important are effective field goal percentage, turnover percentage, offensive rebounding percentage, and then uh, free throw attempts to free throw or field goals attempted. How did you arrive at, at those particular four factors, and what made those most important to you? Um, yeah, those are actually developed by Dean Oliver, who uh, wrote the book Basketball on Paper, which I think was published in, like, 2002. But it's, uh, 
still uh, a great introduction to basketball analytics if, uh, if you're interested in more reading. Um, so, you know, it makes some sense. I mean, those four things basically explain the entirety of your offense, you know, um, how well you'll score. Um, you know, you could split those up further. You can make five factors or six factors. I mean, you could split field goal percentage into twos and threes. And, um, you know, you could split up offensive rebounding and the different types of offensive rebounds. I mean, there's things you could do to add even more factors. But I think, like, if, you know, if you're going to explain, like, you know, 99% of an offense, like those four things um, do that, you know, at, at the most basic core. So, you don't really have to get any more complicated than looking at those four things to kind of understand how a team's offense works. There are a lot of color commentators, play-by-play announcers, talk about how a particular team might be punting, for lack of a better word, offensive rebounding just to be able to get back and transition defense and stop the other team from being able to running uh, run. But this would indicate that offensive rebounding is actually a, a pretty big deal to an offense and, and to a team, what are your thoughts on teams that sometimes voluntarily allow the defense almost to get a free rebound just to get back and transition defense? Yeah, it really um, comes down to your personnel and also the opposing team's personnel. Um, you know, if you're playing an opponent that uh, doesn't necessarily want to play transition basketball and they're pretty conservative about that, then, you know, it can make sense to crash the board, but if you're playing a team that kind of hurt you going the other way, then maybe um, it doesn't. Uh, it's actually, you know, it's a complicated topic, actually. Sometimes, you know, a team that runs, it actually can pay off to, like, crash the glass. You can kind of slow up the alitas, and um, that's a, a topic that is uh, is pretty interesting. But but it really does come down to personnel. I mean, if you don't have – if you have, like, Baylor last year, you know, you have Rico Gathers or whatever, like, of course, you're going to use him to gobble as many offensive rebounds as, as possible. But – um, if you're a, a smaller team, a less athletic team, uh, you know, you, uh, it's in your best interest probably to, to get back and not um, go for offensive rebounds. So, um, so it really is, you know, like a lot of things in college basketball, something that doesn't have uh, an easy answer. Um, I tend to think probably in general coaches right now are a little too conservative in terms of their attitude toward offensive rebounds. And, uh, um, you know, guys probably could be more aggressive. Certainly I think there's some research um, – you know, even like sporting data at the NBA level, it shows that, you know, if a player has a foot in the paint or whatever, they probably should be going for the offensive rebound. There's more benefits doing that than to retreating. But um, but it is a topic that, uh, you know, is um, uh, pretty complicated. And, and as I said, I think there's a lot of judgment involved in terms of who your personnel is and, and who your opponent's personnel is as far as making those decisions. When I'm looking at Iowa State's schedule, uh, I'm seeing – some, some letter grades, if you will, over here. I think I have a pretty good idea of what they mean, but can you explain uh, the difference between uh, an A, a B, and then a game that does not have a, a letter next to it at all? Yep. So uh, so a game against a tier A team is basically like playing a game against a top 50 team, but um, it's adjusted for game location. So, uh, you know, if you play the 45th best team at home, um, it's obviously much much easier to beat that team than it is to play them on the road. And so playing a, t- a 45th best team at home is not really like playing a top 50 team. You know, it's like playing a team somewhat worse than that. Um, so it's a little bit different than what you see uh, most notably from the RPI, but you might see other rating systems that 
uh, divvy things out to the top 50 and top 100 records. Um, and those records are sensitive to, to where the games are played. So I'm um, trying to, you know, take that out of the equation and, and truly identify, you know, hey, here are the, the tough games, the games that are, you know, um, most difficult to win. And if you're going to do that, you have to account for where the game is played. So, uh, so tier A is maybe like playing a top 50 team on a neutral floor. Uh, tier B is like playing a, a 50 to 100 team on a neutral floor. So um, that does give you like some indication of, you know, the most quick, you know, quick glance you can see the most difficult games on a, on a team schedule using that approach. Speaking of home court advantage, as Iowa State fans, we think they have a pretty good one at, at Hilton Coliseum. When you're factoring in your home court advantage into your system, is every home court uh, treated the same, or how do you differentiate between playing at a, a building like Hilton Coliseum or Allen Fieldhouse and playing uh, somewhere like Carver Hawkeye Arena? Yeah, um, so I do treat every every home court the same, which, um, you know, as a first attempt is a pretty decent approximation. Um, there's obviously differences between, you know, the best home courts college basketball and the worst home courts. Um, but that difference is probably not uh, as much as people might think. Um, I've, been, I've been doing some work trying to come up with a way to um, quantify home court advantage on an arena-by-arena arena basis and you know, make some progress on that. But it's very difficult to do. I mean, you can imagine you, know, you only have a final sure. score from a game, and how do you infer how much of that final score was due to Team core. There are ways to do that. Once you get lots of games in the system and you get, you know, other box score stats in the system, you can um, kind of cheat and, and come up with some insights and, and get closer to the truth. But uh, from what i found, like the true range of home court is going to be something like for the worst home court, it's going to be like 2.5 points. And for the best home court, it'll be like five points. So, um, so you know, Iowa State, for the work I've seen, or the work I've done, like Iowa State's definitely up there, you know, closer to the five into that range, maybe four or so. Um, and I'm assuming this season, you know, an average of 3.75 for everybody. So the reality is, like, I'm kind of helping Iowa State in a way. I'm assuming that their home court is not that strong. And so most of their good performance at home is due to uh, the quality of the team and not the quality of the crowd. Um, and that's kind of the irony in all this, is that when I do kind of publish these, like, home, home court numbers, uh, you know, I'm sure fan base will be, like, really happy to see their teams rank high in it. Because it says something about their home crowd, but by the same token, it'll actually, in the long term, kind of hurt their rating a little bit more than, than it would now because uh, they're going to be subtracting kind of that large home court from their actual performance. So it'll kind of ding them a little bit more than they would have in the past. Well, there you heard it, Cyclone Nation. I think Ken Pomeroy just said that Iowa State's going to go undefeated at home if uh, I heard him, heard him correctly there. I, uh, when, when you're factoring home home court advantage, have you ever what what goes into that? Uh, a lot of people say teams get a lot of calls from the refs at, at home, but you look at total fouls that doesn't always tell uh, the whole picture. What do you think determines what makes Duke uh, near a five point and someone else near a two and a half point favorite uh, at home? Yeah, we don't want to uh, spill too much of the beans on my research, but uh, but it does appear that, um, you know, you can look at uh, calls, um, you know, fouls, basically. You have to look at it over a long period of time. 
So that's kind of the, the problem is that, you know, to get, to get like instantaneous home court advantage, you know, what's home court advantage looking tonight is like kind of a pipe dream. You know, you have to look at kind of the last, uh, not just the last year of, of data, but multiple years to um, get kind of some stable numbers. But certainly calls are, are a factor. You know, there's other things you can look at, um, uh, you know, like an example would be like block shots, you know, a team that uh, over time gets a lot more block shots at home than they do on the road. Um, you know, there's some small indication there that um, it's due to uh, the quality of their home court advantage, which, you know, kind of makes some sense. I mean, they might uh, have a little more, more energy, be more amped up uh, in front of the home crowd, and, and um, you know, they're going to get off the floor quicker and anticipate better or something like that. Um, so they'll get, you know, a few more block shots at home than they will on the road. Um, so, I mean, you can kind of think about those kind of things, you know, the things that home court, um, you know, might affect. And it probably does have, you know, some small impact, and that impact is measurable. So um, it's kind of using uh, those ideas to, to create uh, or figure out what exactly the home court advantage is. It'd be interesting to know uh, your thoughts here on if certain teams have even a neutral court advantage. You'll hear teams of perennial underdogs say that Kansas and Dukes and, and those types of teams get all the calls, even on a neutral court when you're talking about NCAA tournament, conference tournament, things like that. Have you given any thought to – I know you, you're kind of diving into home court advantage, but have you ever given any thought to looking into even whether teams have a neutral court advantage? Uh, yeah, I – um, so, like, in the case of Duke, they actually, from what I've seen, and it's been a few months since I've looked at the numbers, but um, from what I've seen, like, their home court advantage isn't all that extraordinary. And, I mean, one possible explanation for that is that, uh, you know, Coach K is so uh, revered and respected, or however you want to put it, by uh, officials that, you know, even when Duke is playing at, you know, Clemson or something, uh, you know, they're still going to get benefit of the of the doubt from the officials and so maybe that kind of um mutes the difference between you know what they do at home and what they do on the road because i mean after all basically what you're measuring is not necessarily home court advantage exactly but kind of the difference between how a team performs at home and how a team performs at the road because they're on the road because so many um of your non-home games are, are true road games so uh so there is that factor that's involved i mean i um that's something that uh I don't have a lot of research or you know, direct knowledge of to speak intelligently on, but um, but it certainly seems like that could be a factor for teams that um, you know have a a coach who uh, you know is, has won more games than any other coach in the world and uh, um, could conceivably be intimidating presence, you know, no matter where he's coaching. On your site, when you look at a team team page, uh, it'll give you. Uh, projected score, it'll give you a percentage chance of winning, it'll give you an expected number of possessions. Do you have any, any way of tracking or have you been tracking to see how accurate uh, your system ends up becoming as far as what your predicted result was versus the actual outcome? Yeah, so those, those percentages are, you know, pretty much uh, true. I mean, I try to calibrate the um, – percentages on past predictions and uh, basically take my system and, um, you know, go back to the start of um, uh, my data, which is 2000 and the 2002 season. So it was 15 seasons of data in there, and I just run the ratings algorithm 
um, for each season and, and, you know, record the predictions that it would have made back then and, uh, you know, figure out what, how to kind of calibrate the percentages best. And um, so the percentages are, are pretty much true. Uh, there was a problem in in the old system where at the extremes it would kind of give the underdog too much credit. So, uh, you know, you have a, a mismatch and the team was given like a 97% chance of winning. They probably really had like a 99% chance of winning or something like that. And the 99% chance was, you know, like 99.8. Um, so that should be um, handled better with, uh, with this new approach this season. Um, as far as like this predicting the, the outcome, the actual score, you know, the average error on predicting margin of victory is like a little over eight, like 8.3 or something like that over time. And, uh, and that does give you some indication of how much variance there is uh, in any given game. And, you know, people will talk about Vegas and how it's, you know, spooky how they sometimes just nail the score, but their accuracy is only slightly better. I mean, there's, there's a lot of uh, – Plenty of games. Every game you see, you know, where they nail the score. There's another game out there where they were, you know, off by double digits. Or, you know, uh, plenty of games like that. So, um, so anyway, and that that kind of explains too, like why why you have upsets, why they're, you know, why it's hard to predict college basketball. Because even though, you know, um, we think that one team should beat another by, you know, six points, well, the the average error on that prediction is eight. So, uh, you know, no surprise that um, the six point uh, favorite is going to lose, you know, whatever it is. Like, off the top of my head, I don't know, but 30% of the time, something like that. So, um, so that's kind of how that works. We have, uh, I'm sure we have a bunch of uh, gambling degenerates that follow our site. Uh, how often do you get contacted on Twitter or via other things for uh, recommendations for gambling advice based on the information that you put on your site? Um, that's not too often uh, because I think all the information is there if you're that's what you're into, and I think people understand. Like some of the people that follow my work over the past decade or so understand that I'm really not a gambler. I mean, I obviously pay attention to the Vegas lines primarily just to like do a reality check on my own work. I mean, if I'm my predictions are pretty much mimicking what Vegas has, then uh, my model is probably doing a good job. So that's my, you know, my primary interest in, um, uh, you know, gambling or, or what the lines are. Um, but not like, you know, you know, anyone that I'm like some sort of expert gambler making tons of money because obviously, uh, if I was doing that, I would not have, um, a website that I would need to, you know, spend hours upon hours, uh, you know, working on, um, I would just be somebody you've never heard of. You know, sitting in a sports book somewhere, raising your money day after day. Well, Ken, we we appreciate you joining us tonight. Uh, can you let our listeners know where they can follow you on Twitter, and then besides KenPom dot com, if you have any other work out there that you want to try and direct them to? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at uh, Ken Pomeroy. Full name. Don't don't follow Ken Pom. It's some poor. Uh, poor unsuspecting soul who has no interest in basketball, um, but who beat me to Twitter. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, the website's kenpom.com. I really don't have any other uh, any other stuff out there at the moment, so uh move you on over there. And, uh, you know, if you're interested in the number side of the game, kind of better statistics than you'll get, you know, on TV or 
or uh, um, you know, other sources, um, that's a good place to go. One one last question before I let you go. Uh, and maybe you're not into making your own predictions with your heart, but if you had to choose a final four right now, uh, who'd be at the top of your list? Uh, I think I would go with something like Duke, uh, Kansas, uh, North Carolina, and uh, Villanova. Sounds good. Well, we appreciate you uh, taking the time here now twice in the last month to give our listeners and readers some some really great content. Uh, We enjoy following your work on Twitter from afar, and uh, we look forward to hopefully seeing the the Cyclones crawl up there into the top ten of of your rankings because we know that that means they're having a pretty special season. So we'll talk talk to you later, Ken. All right. Thanks, Austin. All right, that was Ken Pomeroy in another edition of the uh, We Still Booze uh, podcast. As always, thanks to Jake McDonough for the music that you hear at the beginning and end. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Uh, go ahead and leave us a review. Uh, we look forward to basketball season starting, which is right around the corner. Uh, one final note, this is definitely not satire. All right, We actually did have Ken Pomeroy on here. Uh, just for you listeners, and uh, we look forward to to hearing you tune in. Uh, Until the next time, this is Austin signing off. Uh, Have a good one. Go Cyclones. any of the 108 Atlanta area O'Reilly Auto Parts stores where you'll find everyday low prices on the parts you need to keep your vehicle at its best. Our guaranteed low prices ensure you're always getting our best deal. In fact, we'll match any auto parts store's price on any like item. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.